Hey everyone, Al here. We've got a bit of a different episode for you this week. I was recently in Montreal recording stories for my other podcast, Yes, We Are Open. So I thought I'd take advantage and reach out to Trevor Risk to see if he'd be interested in an interview. You may recall Trevor's been on the podcast before, but never for his own interview. So I wanted to remedy that. And Trevor was game. He came to my hotel room and you're about to hear our conversation. Unfortunately, there's no Tanya, Matt, or Victor in this, just me and Trevor. But he was great and very giving of his time. But before we begin tonight's episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Diabolical Coffee. It's devilishly good coffee and diabolically awesome swag. There's roast for all tastes. You can order whole bean, coarse, and standard grind, espresso. There's even a K-cup option for single cup brewers. And right now you can use the promo code PRODUSAN for 20% off anything in the store. That's 20% off all coffee and merch. Thank you, Diabolical Coffee and Eric for your support. Now, on to my chat with Trevor Risk. That fresh produce stand there. That's a beauty. What do you listen to? My favorite murder podcast. Taggart and Torrance podcast. The produce stand. Ah, fucking sexy. been on before uh, and you were kind of ambushed when you when you came on the first time on one of our ag hall social oh yeah uh, you remember that vaguely i remember it was during lockdown yes and so there was you know any portal to the outside world mm-hmm. i was absolutely keen to jump on not that i wouldn't do it again no i don't but i definitely remember i was a few I was a few gins deep. A couple of sheets already in. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Awesome will kill me for bringing that up, but I have to because, uh, you know, we, we have to be factually accurate here. This isn't my first time speaking to you. <laughs> <laughs> we have to, if we give you one thing, we should be accurate. That's right. <laughs> That's how it goes, right? That's it, the line. Yeah. I thought maybe you wrote it. Um, <laughs> I think someone wrote it about me. <laughs> uh, I think... I had this guess. The first time I heard that was mm-hmm. I was told that I spelt Riley's name wrong in every script. Oh, okay, is it I, I before E instead of? <laughs> uh, man, I I don't I don't know. Like I look it up on IMDb every time I write one now because well, I forget. I, I mean, do you even know which one's which? Because I mean, there's still people in our group who uh, who question which one's Riley and which one's Jonesy. <laughs> I think that uh, yeah, no, I got them placed. I think though we kind of write them just as one person. Yes, you know, yeah. I've noticed that. <laughs> I, I think you could, and don't. I, I mean, I, I'm not entirely sure, but I think you could probably replace each one with each one. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, they both yeah. date Katie. Right? There's a so. great visual joke in one of the episodes that. Uh, you won't, I mean, if you're not paying attention, you'll miss it. Or if you haven't watched it a hundred times, when they had the bottle of, uh, was it Ritalin? Yeah. It's got both their names both on their it. Names and so it. to our American listeners, you generally don't get prescriptions <laughs> written out to two people in, <laughs> in Canada. It's not a Canadian thing. Do Americans have that? <laughs> no, I don't think so. But just in case they think we do. <laughs> just just party people in America getting like 10 names yeah, on it, you yeah, know, exactly. just popping Adderall. So just to be safe, just to be safe. Yeah. The visual stuff on the show uh, is some of my favorite stuff when I rewatch it. Yeah. There's a look that Tyler gives Michelle after Michelle flashes her girls at him in the spelling bee. And that is just... Yeah, that's... A, just primo facial acting. It's I know exactly the, the look you're talking great about. Great look. It's a great look. I like the way that Andrew... And we don't fight at weddings. Says the look he goes when he goes. Don't worry about it. 
Um, and I think the and I, I'm I'm afraid I just can't remember the person's name who does the graphics, and, and it's Danny? killing me. Danny, uh, is it? Yeah, it's Danny. Yes, yeah, Danny. Um, yeah, I mean, if you were to just like zoom in and enhance in a lot of things, mm-hmm. like the like the posters in the gym about like taking down men. Uh, there's <laughs> yeah. like an MMA. It's like learn MMA, learn how to take down men. Just like yeah. I saw that and uh, <laughs> giggled a little, peed a little in my pants. It was great. I mean, who writes those things? Or they is it just the art department might come up with something and say this might be funny and then show it to Jared? Or um, I'm not sure if that's a part. Yeah, that's it. I've never like. Here's the thing. Like we like I think the writers we like start something, we pitch stuff, we go through that, we go through uh, outlines and and etc. And then by the time uh, it actually comes out. Just like a million hands has touched it, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. you watch and you're like, "Did I? I don't know." Like you can't mm-hmm. even say like, oh, "I wrote that joke," because you're like, "I don't remember." Right. Also, you know, the editing is making it funnier. Mm-hmm. The graphics part is making it funnier. The directing, the acting, like that's like you know. So it's like, yeah, I don't it's even a, feel like you can yeah. even say I wrote. Like it's like that's sure. It's a it's a communist joke. It's our joke, comrade. It belongs to us all. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start. I mean, you, you again. You were on a, a, one of our egg halls a while ago, and I remember you saying you were originally you're from a place near Ottawa. Is that right? That's true. Where was what was the name? I grew up in a town called Armprior. Armprior. Uh, that's about right. Six thousand people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not unlike uh, Letterkenny. Right. Yeah. There's definitely some. There's a couple. Uh, I think there's like one or two like Easter eggs about Armprior that's in it. Okay. And uh, I think sometimes some. Especially the more colloquial language mm-hmm. is stuff that I remember my brother's dickhead friend saying to me. Right. In the 90s, you know. <laughs> I got the impression you didn't last too long in Iron Prior, that you got the hell out as soon as you could. I mean, here's the thing. I was <laughs> such a obnoxious, pretentious, lonely kid mm-hmm. that... I think I would have gotten run out of town <laughs> if I didn't leave. Right, okay. Yeah, I was definitely, like, uh, just, uh, you know, some of us teenagers go through that thing where we just think we're, we know better. Right. <laughs> I think yeah. I was that kind of kid. So I, there wasn't definitely a lot for me there, but I also was not contributing anything to that that town, and I, I have mild regrets about that. So early on, though, what was it that got you first? Was it music? Was it writing? What what, what were you interested in first? I always did both at the same time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I when I was in high school, I was performing music, and I was also um, sort of taking every English class I, I could, you mm-hmm. know. I was sort of connecting with the, the, good, the good English teachers I had. I remember in the eighth grade... I had a teacher who, every time I fucked up in class, he would get me to write one page about why I fucked up in class. <laughs> and uh, his name was Mr. Bob Bridges, and he was Trevor, I'm going to need Mr. Risk. He said, Mr. Risk, I'm going to need you to write a one-page plan on why uh, we use all four legs on the chair when we're sitting in class. Oh, my God. I th- yeah, okay. I did the same thing. Yeah. Back, back of the class, leaning back. Yeah. yeah. Now, a whole page on that is tough to do. you got to mm-hmm. get creative. Mm-hmm. And at the last day of school, we thought, what are we going to do with the last day of school? And he's just like, I'm going to read all of the plants that everyone wrote me all day. And I was 90% of them. And there's a part of me that feels like he was just encouraging me to write in whatever way I kind of could. Sure. And, yeah, that's uh, great. I really liked that. Yeah. Uh, but I was doing it all at the same time. And then when I was in my 20s, I was a nightclub DJ and a recording artist. But I 
was also the editor of a magazine. Yeah, I've got uh, all that. Yeah, we're going to talk about all of that. Oh, boy. We're just going to sit here and talk. About this is my it. life, this hey? This is your life. Oh, God, uh, so flattering. And, and, and in, coming through that door now is... No, I'm just kidding. Jane right. Seymour. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I mean, she's she's a very fetching woman. <laughs> Continues to be. 72 yes. years old, yeah. Oh, wow, Okay. You are you've got a bit of an obsession. Okay, it's not. I was explaining this to someone the other night, uh, and because uh, she asked me, and it just sort of started like one of these things that, like, through like a therapist was like, routine is good, okay. and I was like, oh, routine. What does that mean? Do I have to like start take up jogging or something? It's like it can literally be anything. And one of my best friends in the world, uh, Dan Ferrari, uh, found some peace in his routine. And his was every day he listened to the song Slow by Kylie Minogue. And every day he put up a picture that was a beautiful, it ended up being beautiful graphics of him listening to Slow by Kylie Minogue. On the hundredth day, she personally thanked him. He has a tattoo of it on oh, his body. Oh, so this is just a campaign of you getting some sort of personal message. No, I already got that like a you? month into this. Oh, but I definitely was having like a bit of struggles in my life and I think it was around the time like COVID started sure. and I was like, I need a routine. Yeah. And I just started pairing songs on Instagram with Jane Seymour. I'll be honest with you. I don't watch Jane Seymour movies. Like, no. I was never a Dr. Quinn person. No. I mean, I've seen the... Do- the, the I've seen the um, James Bond. Right. But, I mean, everybody has. Yeah. Uh, but I get these messages people like, oh, she's in this new Netflix. I'm like, I'm not watching that trash. <laughs> <laughs> so, where did this come from then? It's just like... It's kind of a running gag, oh, okay. and it's also kind of just therapeutic to have something to sure. do, like right. like a routine to do every day. I think she's wonderful. Like I yeah. learn more about her. Mm-hmm. You know, she's married <laughs> to uh, Stacy Keach's mm-hmm. brother, which <laughs> is great. Stacy Keach kind of looks a little bit like Powers Booth, so I like him. Um, and uh, uh, he's a little bigger than Stacy Keach. I call it Jane and the Giant Keach. Uh, that's uh, what I call their marriage. Um, you know, she seems great. I seem delightful when I catch her in a cameo on something accidentally. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I'm not. Uh, I'm not gonna like try to shoot the president to try to get her attention. Sure, you know, I'm not gonna John Hinckley this. Okay, I so, promise. So you're you're around you know level three uh, um. of how many levels are we talking? Uh, Let's say six. Six? Yeah, I'll take that. (laughs) That's fine. I have a picture of her in my house, but that was a gift. (laughs) (laughs) An ironic gift that that you cherish. No, nobody. This is the first time anyone's really hearing of me being like, this is kind of like, it's not real. (laughs) Like people think I genuinely obsess. So they give me these things. Like I have my friend Heather. uh, I have these coasters that she made, which is her and the guy from Dr. Quinn, the guy who was in Showgirls. Uh, oh, I, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and my face is in his face. Yeah. And those are just like people rest <laughs> drinks on those in my house. Of course. They were all just gifts. Yeah. Yes. And again, she seems like a delightful woman, an absolute gem. And I like her when I see her and stuff, but like, it's it's just it's just kind of therapy. <laughs> sure, sure. So music and, and DJing or music and writing out, yeah. of, out of high school. Um, sure. Where do you go next? Like, does do you go out west? Is that uh, where you end up? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Eighteen, I left and uh, went to Vancouver mm-hmm. for about sixteen years. Wow. I think. Right. Yeah. And, and that, like, that was just because you, you, that was the farthest you can get away from my arm prior. There was some of that. There was uh, when I met Jonathan Torrens. I used to manage a, a music venue. Oh. Okay. And I put on his. Um, Tiger and Torrens podcast, mm-hmm. and we—I ha- just started writing for Letter Kenny, so we sort of working a little bit together. 
and I met, and I told him this. I was like, the reason I moved to Vancouver was I think I was like 16 and I was, you know, in Ontario. It was about this time of year. It was mid-March. And they had a show live from Vancouver and it was like Limb Lifter, I think, playing. Mm. And they were outside and it was just... There was flowers blooming, and people were wearing a light jacket, yeah. and I looked outside, and I was in snow jail. And, like, I don't even mind snow <laughs> now, but, like, when you're living in a small town in the 90s, yeah. you're just like, you could go outside, but there's nothing outside, yeah. you know? <laughs> outside is just pain. Out's yeah. pain, and there's nothing outside. When you go out there, you're like, now I'm outside. It's like, here, like, in Montreal or something, you can yeah. go outside. Like, people are still always out. Yeah. no matter how cold it is yeah. and it's great but like so I saw that and I just remember at that moment I was like thanks Jonathan Torrens I'm I'm moving to Vancouver yeah I had never been there mm-hmm. I'd never been on a plane before like I had never yeah and I had like $300 in my pocket and uh, yeah went there so well, that all covered the bus fare in Vancouver and then what yeah. oh man we could go down a real bad rabbit hole of things about. Vancouver. We won't. We're not. We're not doing. We're not doing my work podcast now. Yeah, this yeah. is about Letterkenny. Okay. So, <laughs> good. 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 All right. So you better. start DJing out there, and uh, you you were also in a in a bunch of bands here. See, uh, no no spots. The, oh wow. The good news. A V Vecker ensemble. Yeah. Let's. Well, <laughs> that was a brief thing I was in. That was um, a guy named Keith Wecker, who was a guy who played in a noise orchestra with famous noise composer Glenn Branca. Okay. And he put together a bunch of us to be in his noise orchestra, yeah. and it was uh, a hell of an experience because I'm sort of more of a pop music guy. Sure. So, so what? What I mean, you'd say noise orchestra. Was that like? A- what neoclassical or, or sort of like because it wasn't there was no a lot of noise artists do a lot of pedals a lot of you know effects that kind of thing the this one was the sort of classic one where it's like all instruments and no effects it's like clean tone whatever so my guitar had to oh, get all, right. all the strings ripped off and put on really fat strings and tuned a certain way and a certain moment i would hit these sort of dissonant chords hmm. in time with everything else so that was an odd one I'm so this is you're, you're good research this is impressive you know uh, Dr. Google um, sure medium cool uh, and then there's this band here Some uh, Letterkenny listeners or watchers would probably uh, know. Uh, it's called 200 Grand, and uh, the band is called Sunshine. And why am I playing this? Why? Yeah, because when Derry's having his super soft birthday, that's me singing in the background. So are you always? Are you usually the lead guitarist and singer in, in the bands? Or? No, no. I think Sunshine was its creation was I got tired of singers. Okay. <laughs> I'm not a great singer, but I just got tired of the drama of sure. singers in my other bands. Yeah, it's a great song. I mean, <clears throat> I, I I love listening to it. Nice. So you got the. So, uh, let's. Uh, all right. So I guess this is where we should probably talk about uh, you know a little bit about Letterkenny. How do you get involved in Letterkenny? Uh, I you know I'd known Jared uh, since we worked in a bar together. I was a DJ. in Vancouver. Yeah, okay. I was a resident DJ, and he was uh, working support staff there. And we'd always just stayed friends. Always made kind of jokes. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Jared, when uh, he made Letter Kenny, those first few seasons, all the music is unsigned artists. Okay, right, which is super cool. Yeah. Uh, I think just going to bat for that, and just 
it's just unheard of, you know, in television. So he put uh, some of my stuff in there, kind enough to do that. Yeah. And uh, then, you know, we've just still been friends, and I think we've just a few times gone back and forth on a few a few jokes about stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then one day he just sent me a text and said, welcome to the writer's room. And I think the wow. next text was, there's no actual room. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that sucks. I've always wanted to be in a writer's room, and you're telling me there's no room. I don't think... Uh, I've <laughs> never been in one. <laughs> no. No. Well, okay. Let's talk a little bit, little bit about your writing. I mean, you're 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 no rookie there either. You've written for the Huffington Post, the Lab, the Vancouver Sun, um, East Side Games. What what was that? Is that uh, the I, the Monop- letter Monopoly, Letter Kenny Monopoly? No, or? I actually write for East Side Games. A few games. Uh, I write the Trailer Park Boys game. Oh, uh, they're, they're video games. Yeah, they're video right. games. Okay, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no, I did write the Monopoly. Yeah, and I remember yeah. you telling me that, so that's when I saw the games. I thought yeah. that's what it was. Well, I did. I mean, I sort of edited them, but, like, I put in a few things here mm-hmm. and there. Like, the people there did so or whatever, but, like, there's a few things that I, yeah. I, I, I smushed around or whatever, so. So the writing's been, in large part, uh, well... Music about music, right? You you write about music. Yeah, I think some of the stuff I did for Vice wasn't so much about music. Uh, it was just sort of loosely journalistic kind of stuff I was interested in. Okay. Um, I wrote a piece about these two uh, trans artists who were kicked off of an airline um, oh, okay. in Canada. I wrote a piece about a neurological um, affectation that I have that's a little rare. Hmm. Um, uh, I did an interview with someone who was a virgin at 43 years old and oh. sort of how that kind of goes. Like, just sort of like... I saw things. that movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it was... So, I, just a few things like that. Um, Huffington Post, yeah, was some music stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it was... A lot of it was music stuff, but not always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know. And that's just from your, you know, DJing and from playing in the bands and stuff. You're just immersed in that, in that scene out there? I did every job in music except agent. Like, I mm-hmm. worked as a publicist for in an American company for a while. Right. I was in management. I worked at a label for a while. Um, I... Oh, Light Organ Records? Is uh, that yeah, right? Light Organ Records, yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, I was a booker. Um, mm-hmm. I did, uh, I sort of did all of them. And then I realized I didn't like music anymore. <laughs> oh, no, you got burnt out of it? It's just like people tell you, like, <laughs> if you work in what you love, you never like, like, you know, you also, everyone hates their job uh, a little bit. Yeah. yeah okay. And so yeah. I realized every time I'd hear a song, I would be like, can, do they have representation or can I DJ this song? And it was just like commodifying it instead right. of enjoying it. Sure. Yeah. I and get that. Yeah. That. I mean, that makes sense. If you're not enjoying it anymore, you're kind of applying, well, how can I help these people? Or how can I work with these people? Or Yeah. And the music industry is, has, has just not adapted very well to... Yeah. Contern- like, you know, so like music journalist just isn't even a job anymore. You so know? when's the last time you performed in front of an audience? Like not DJing, but like an actual like music. Oh, I haven't touched an instrument in five years. Yeah. yeah. Um, Do you miss it? Uh, no. <laughs> no, not at all. No, uh, I DJed last week down in Nashville. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, that was great. I, I still like doing that once in a while. I don't mm-hmm. like love the club setting but I love still sharing music and yeah. stuff and this is a club that is just run by I mean I'm DJing with the owner of the club mm-hmm. and he's terrific and he makes just such a great space for everybody and uh, so I like doing that um, I you know I DJed the Shorzy rap party um, mm-hmm. which was a lot of fun just not too far from here right um, but uh, yeah I don't really I don't really miss it um, I was never amazing at it and I think I just developed this not to get too philosophical here but I think I developed this approach to life which is just 
follow opportunities, <laughs> you know, yeah, sure. and stop trying to kick water uphill. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's something that you just like, you want to do so bad, but you just maybe not talented <laughs> for it. Like there's other things you might be right. more inclined to do. And I also have realized that I really like working alone. You know, everything in Letterkenny is super collaborative, obviously. Sure. You know, I was saying that earlier, like everyone has a hand in why something is funny or, mm-hmm. you know, or is good storytelling. But um, for the most part, I just talk to Jared, you know. Yeah. Um, and same with uh, Eastside Games. Like I just, there's one person there who's just wonderful. Her name's Jamie Henwood. And uh, like it, we, we just mostly just her and I talk. Um, and I like collaborating, but I like collaborating in the like, I did this, now here's the assembly line. Pass it on. Pass it on, and yeah. you do your thing to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, Or I like working with people when I get to choose them. Sure. You know? Yeah. But just sort of sometimes it can be just very frustrating for me to have to... I like when people talk to me about going to university and doing group projects, I just want to blow my brains out <laughs> about that. I don't sure. know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you were also a program director at a Fox Cabaret. Yes, yes, I was so, a booker there. That's where I put on that Torrens uh, and Taggart um, podcast. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, what? What? You, so you you're booking? Oh, you're booking the 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 acts. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, sort of every day of the week, an early show and a late show, and mm-hmm. there was two rooms. So, you know, there would range from things from you know early stuff like tame things like uh, you know book releases right. and stuff to like um, very like larger not like like it was a big enough venue that it was um, we got bands that were on their way up to soon play arenas right and bands that are on their way down after playing arenas you know must have been a very different uh, personality either way like going up you're, you're probably full of piss and vinegar and <sighs> the world's their oyster coming down they're probably very uh, beaten down and, and <laughs> there's that saying you, you know you <laughs> You see everyone on the way up, sure, and you got to be nice to them, right? Because you see them again on the way back down, yeah, yeah. And you see some of these artists on the way up, and they're not being nice to people, and you're like, right. "Ooh, you're gonna fall further than this, my friend." No. <laughs> yeah. So. Did, did you ever get the 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 satisfaction of seeing the same artist on their way up and down? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I was so burned out on like, like I don't even go see live music much anymore. No, like I'll go see something that's more improvisational like Mm -hmm. jazz or noise or something like that I've always been more of a record guy though and Mm -hmm. so a lot of the stuff I would book unless it was a band that I was really in love with I I would book it and take care of all the details but I wouldn't show up usually yeah yeah all right so I mean a lot is made of uh Jared's or the music in in both Letterkenny and Shorzy sure and uh you know we talk about all, all the great music Jared picks do you have any hand in that, though? I mean, you do have a background. Uh, no, I mean, I think there's, like, moments sometimes where a song gets in and we, I think, retroactively realize it was something we used to listen to or, like, one of us turned the other on. You know what I mean? Sure. Kind of thing. Um, but, uh, no, I mean... So, primarily, it's still him picking all the, the songs. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's in this... Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's great. I mean, like, I, I always laugh about how the... Um, the use of the Chemical Brothers Electrobank in Shorzy mm-hmm. is almost better than the video for Electrobank, which I think is like a Spike Jones video. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of those very, like, it's one sure. of those, yeah, uh, directors. Yeah. Um, you know, I was saying that, like, uh, the... I was re-watching Shorzy uh, recently because mm-hmm. we're working on the next yeah. season yeah. and uh, re it just to sort of get the feel for it again. 
I think I said to someone, I'm like, my two favorite things about it are A, the fact that some of the characters speak in French and everyone just understands them and it's never... And it's never explained or, yeah, or, yeah exactly. Everyone's yeah. bilingual on yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and two, the use of Patrick Hernandez is born to be alive. So <laughs> I, mean, I was going to say, I mean, I do think that there's some interesting choices musically sometimes and that one is one of them where you have, uh, you know, this big brawl mm-hmm. set to... Uh, like the happiest song, right? Like, <laughs> I love that song. It's been part of my yeah. DJ repertoire for years. Mm-hmm. I played it like last week down in Tennessee. Like, uh, uh, fun fact: Madonna got her start being a backup dancer for Patrick Hernandez on oh, that tour, yeah. first gig she ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's got that like good. All the good stuff has friction, right? Like yeah. every good every good song is like is like happy, but with sad lyrics. Like, hey, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah, or uh, has. Uh, but I even thinking back to um, uh, in Letter Kenny, this there's a scene where they're where Wayne's beating up on Dierks, yeah, and the song playing there. I can't remember now, but it's like a it's like a kind of like an old timey. I want to say it's a Motown song. I can't remember, but it, it yeah. was it just felt like oh, that's an interesting choice for this. Uh, I, w- I wish I had my computer on. I'd, I'd be able to look <laughs> it up, but it was it was like that's an interesting choice for this scene. So music is. Music using music to help tell the story yeah. is something that just Jared does so so well. Mm-hmm. I think it comes from him loving train spotting so much. Right, uh, that would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, because I just Danny Boyle does that so well, and uh, I think this is just taken to a great level on uh, on these shows. I like the like the the juxtaposition of some of that stuff. You yeah, know? it's great. It, uh, it is, and because because it's unexpected too, though it it just adds to the uniqueness of both shows. Uh, I think I, I suggested the um, the talent show square dance song, right? Yeah, Swamp Thing by the Grid. Yeah, yeah. I think that was my. I think that was I like loosely suggested. Sure, it, but I mean that song that could have been. It's like basically you know Walmart Cotton Eye Joe or whatever, or, or the other way around, right? Like it's like of course that's the kind of song you'd have there, but kudos on not using Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> I just you know. remember that song from Electric Circus. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. So you, you uh, yes, during that pandemic, you spent a lot of time not in the country during that time. Yeah, not exactly. By choice. So it's like maybe four, four and a half years ago, I left Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of uh, left a lot of, for a lot of, for all the reasons everyone leaves Vancouver. And uh, part of it was I realized I could live in a hotel in Sicily for cheaper than in Vancouver. Right. Uh, <laughs> so it started with, I'm going to go to Italy. And then it turned into, very quickly, I'm going to sell everything I own. Wow. <laughs> like 11 guitars. Like, every, like that was, uh, everything was going out the window. Uh, and donating a lot of stuff and, and, and whatever. And living out of a suitcase. Mm-hmm. And so I got, uh, I went, I was in Italy for a few months um, I was in the Czech Republic, mm-hmm. uh, Germany. I was in Vietnam for quite a while. Wow. And um, the, wait, just on whims, you'd go, I think I want to go to Vietnam now. Or were there reasons for each one of those? Most of them were whims, yeah. yeah. I have a friend who uh, works in Japan, and she said to me, um, oh, yeah, we all holiday in Vietnam because they're the opposite of sort of like that Bushido toxic work culture. Okay. So you find a lot of people just blowing off steam from Japan there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that sounds good. Where? And she's like, Da Nang. And I was like, all right. So I just went to Da Nang. Um, Vietnamese is the most opposite language from English on the tree. Okay. Um, like, 
nobody understood me, and I understood nobody uh, for the entire time. It was fun. There. It was great. Uh, <laughs> but they would. They, I mean, they spoke enough English, right? Which is which is great because English is everywhere, obviously. Sure. And like. Uh, they'd be like, what's your name? And I'd be like, Trevor. And they'd be like, plastic? And I'd be like, not even close. <laughs> but I love that you know the word plastic. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then after Vietnam, I was in the United States. Um, I was in Kansas City and Nashville. Uh, the, then a tornado destroyed my neighborhood um, in Nashville. And then the pandemic started that week as well, officially. And the American government said, hey, I know you have health insurance, but... You're not American, and we don't know what this is, so you're going to go to the back of the line if you get sick. Oh, wow. So you have to leave. Yeah. So I left. I came to Toronto. Remembered that Toronto's not for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, came to Montreal. Um, went to... Well, I had planned to go to the Czech Republic, but a week before, the government said no, Canadians aren't allowed in here. And so um, my now girlfriend, who I was going to meet, was like... Well, I was like, where can we meet? And like a sort of a place we can both go to. And we found Albania. And so we were in Albania. And then we couldn't leave uh, Albania uh, because we couldn't go back to our countries. Right. And uh, there weren't flights out of Albania to other places. So we had to find another country we could go to via car. So we hired a stranger to drive us to, to Macedonia through Kosovo. The Through Kosovo was a surprise. Okay. Um, he just said... I'm taking a shortcut. So it's like a cab driver who thinks he can get you there faster. Yep. He was just a guy. (laughs) Just a guy. And I got to the the Kosovar border and there was a giant man with a Slavic accent and a machine gun yelling at me. I didn't know he was joking because I don't get that kind of humor. No. But I've watched enough 80s movies to have my taint pucker a little bit when someone, you know, just starts screaming in a Slavic language to me. (laughs) And then he just started laughing. He was like, it's a joke. And I'm like, it's not. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> of course. Christine was like, it's funny. I'm like, so, I'm can like, I give you some notes? You're no Yakov. But, you're no uh, Yakov. Yeah. What a country. <laughs> Had to sign a contract yeah. that said we weren't allowed to spend more than three hours in Kosovo. My phone didn't work the entire time we were driving through it. Um, it was odd. Uh, but yeah, stuck in then Macedonia. And then after that, uh, uh, Serbia. Uh, so what are you doing in all these places? I mean, I feel like there's a script here somewhere locked down in the, in the, you know, in the Eastern block. Like there's gotta be something there. No, I met this guy who, um, like, like collected and serviced old Soviet watches. Mm -hmm. So I hung out with him sometimes and just smoked cigarette in his little watch store. Um, I, uh, we met this woman who uh, we, you know, so we were looking for a, uh, like sort of a, a bar and we're like you know it's a good thing when you're traveling is to always look up online what's an LGBTQ friendly bar right because those are usually more fun and just more like whatever you know you don't want to walk into a bar where everyone is uh, like chain smoking and throwing darts and uh, <laughs> generally working for the mob so uh, found this bar and it was just a sort of a house that was tilted to the side mm-hmm. and a, a woman in her 70s uh made her own alcohol <laughs> like her mom taught her how to make absinthe and she makes absinthe and uh, yeah so if you want to see God drink drink that stuff drink that absinthe mm-hmm. that'll that'll take it anyway uh, I don't know like there was some weird like, like I like to I, I've been told that I exaggerate a little bit about this but like I mean during that period I lived through a tornado 
an earthquake, a building blowing up on my block. Uh, I got tear gassed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I want you here right now. I feel like trouble follows you. <laughs> I got uh, I got COVID before there was a uh, before a it was vac- cool before yeah. it was a vaccine. Yeah. I was sick for almost a month and oh. like had to go to Albanian doctors who were lovely. I huh. mean, you know, you're like a natural disaster hipster. You get everything before it was cool. Alternatively, you could say that I'm good luck. Like I should be dead and I'm right. not. Okay, all right. Okay, well. I'm a bit of a rabbit's foot. <laughs> But yeah, there's, there's, come, you know, I'm not visiting volcanoes or Afghanistan or something. I know there's people who travel like that. I'm not doing that on purpose. Yeah, yeah. People are terrified of Albania for a few reasons. One, the flag is scary as hell. <laughs> okay. It's designed to keep people out. Yeah, it's, it's fucking scary. Yeah, it's, it, it's at the best, at least scary at best, it looks like a bad burlesque flyer, you know? Um, and I'm searching for the flag here. One second. <laughs> take a little peek. I've, anything that's like, it's okay. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait for your reaction. Albania. Whoa, hold on. Flag. This. Yeah, this looks like something like if uh, you were doing like a bad '80s uh, uh, action movie and you needed the, the the bad guy's flag. Yeah, that's the perfect design for. <laughs> it looks like the Federation from Starship Troopers. Flag. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, yes. This... Oh wow! Okay. Uh, so people that makes people think, eh, you know, uh, and two, all the bad guys in movies for a little while have been Albanian, mm. and a part of it is like, well, like. The Chinese government said, "If you make them Chinese, we're not going to sell the movie here." Right. <laughs> right. So, like when they made remade Red Dawn, they were like, they made them as a gender. It's like, no, you're not going to make this. And they're like, okay. Um, and you know, this like there's a push to not have them be Middle Eastern, like it was in the '80s yeah. and '90s, obviously yeah. for obvious and good reasons. And they're like, well, who's going to not complain? Like every Taken movie is just like, oh, the goddamn Albanians have taken my daughter, and like, I don't know, man. They're pretty peaceful people in my mind. I was like, which country can we piss off and it won't ma- matter in the box office? No. Albania. Albania. Yeah, that's yeah, a good one. No. Okay. It almost sounds made up even. There's three <laughs> main religions there. It's Islam and Orthodox and Catholicism and in the entire history of that country, and it's an old history, mm-hmm. never has there ever been a problem. Right. Which yes. is hilarious. Which is hilarious. Yeah. Like, I was definitely outside at like and hearing like someone do the call to prayer and I, the, yeah. like the, the Orthodox or the Catholic priest, I can't remember, was like having coffee being like, he's not very good today. That's my friend. He's not, he's, he's usually better than this. You know, and it's like, oh, you guys are just pals. It's great. So. Well, I mean, if you become more inviting a country, then you'll invite everyone else's problems to you. If you're, if you're happy, then yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's a brilliant tactic. It's like, People won't want to come here because our fra- our flag is scary. Yeah, and we have the worst, you know, PR. You know, <laughs> they had this dictator named Hosha, and uh, he built himself a pyramid downtown Tirana to a, as a tribute to himself. Oh, nice! And uh, when they killed him, um, <laughs> they left it up mm-hmm. and let all like the like everyone just like graffito tag it and drink on it. And see, like, now I want to go visit just so I can see this. Pyramid. It's great. Just to remind them how much they hate him. Wow. And it was just announced a couple weeks ago that they're turning it into a shopping mall because they're like, you know Perfect. what would piss off a communist, like the most capitalist thing we can think of? Perfect. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's like so a, petty and a, I love it. A Forever 21 where his tomb should be. Yeah. yeah Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just, I don't start pettiness, but reactionary pettiness, yes, I'm all about. I love it. Yeah. Let's see. So, yeah, you guys are working on Shorzy um, now? And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Is there anything you can share about that? No, no. Okay, uh, <laughs> you know how to ask. Yeah, uh, yeah of course. Uh, I, also, I, I, I just don't think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know. It's. Um, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's it's gonna be great. You yeah. know, I. I uh, oh, no doubt. Everyone in in Jared, we trust. Yes. Yeah. Of course. Yes. That makes good sense. As you should. <laughs> I would say that's what I'll share with you is knowing knowing what's happening in this season. Yeah. Keep. Don't lose don't lose any faith if you have some. It's That's gonna great. be it's gonna be terrific. Um, let's see what uh, what are you working on uh, other than uh, you know uh, new metric stuff? Are you working on anything interesting, exciting? Yeah, I've got uh, I'm working on like three different pitches uh, of shows okay. um, that are all at different stages, and I don't know which I'm allowed to necessarily share with either. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid. I'm sorry. This is probably bad for no, you. No, sorry. <laughs> well, if there's anything you wanted to yeah. help promote, you can. If, if you can't talk about it, then... Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I can. Yeah, I'm trying mm-hmm. to get a few things sort of off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got this... I talk about one. Uh, I've got this project called Red Light, which is um, a comedy about the adult industry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. And uh, it's... It definitely makes people's eyebrow kind of raise or whatever, but it came to me with two great writers who work in that industry mm-hmm. who had kind of gotten fed up with the fact that they would be in like document documentaries. Right. And they'd be like, yeah, we were having a nice time on set that day. And then it'd be like, the dark side of porno. <laughs> and we're like, what do you mean? Like, we were all hanging out and being yeah. good to each other. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? So everyone wants to have that dark side of the exploitative mm-hmm. part of it. And... Um, one of the writers, she came to me and she said, you know, what's very frustrating is that if you want to go mainstream from the adult industry, it's nearly impossible. Mm -hmm. But if you're a mainstream star and you leak a sex tape, your Q score goes way up. Right. And she's like, not only is that obviously hypocritical, but like one of them is always under the idea of a leak, you know, which is like kind of implies not very consensual. And one of them is like, very good like you know and it's like so maybe this is more just about taking power away from people's bodies and I guess that's kind of the point of the show is like it's about someone who's going into the adult industry and is dealing with the fallout from people around her because it's like oh my god you can't do that you can't work in this and it's someone who works in it who's trying to go mainstream and Mm -hmm. the people in the mainstream being like finding out that he does it and being like we don't want you anywhere near our mainstream stuff and sort of the how they meet and the helix of that kind oh, of that's thing. cool yeah so it's so, gonna be a comedy oh yeah no yeah. one no one like one of the part of the bible is no one's gonna masturbate to this show <laughs> no there's nothing sexy about it at all if you see genitals it's gonna be because it's funny so no one's gonna masturbate to that sh- to this show that's a good kind of uh, mission statement yeah it's, but it's, if you think back to smallville yeah it, they had like a, a one that rhymed no flights no tights right it's, they need something pithy that rhymes so like well, what could that be like no perks no jerks you know like <laughs> I said that they're like is there, someone said is there gonna be boobs and I was like there's gonna be one but you see it twice so technically yeah. plural of boobs yes. has happened yes. yes yeah but I'll work I'll work on the tagline you're right I need there to be a punchy a punchy tagline yeah. thank you for that there suggestion you yeah right, you cool. can use it go ahead yeah. thank you thank you I appreciate that, it, appreciate it, that. we haven't recorded it or anything <laughs> You know what I forgot? I do have listener questions. I Ooh. said, oh, I'm going to meet, meet Trevor. Do you have any questions for them? So here, here's some of those questions. Uh-oh. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Trollinger, who's out in the UK, he wants to know, 
Was your hot dog cheese beer story rejected from drafts from seasons 10, 11, or 12? <laughs> do you know what story he's referring I, I, to? I forgot about this. Do you know what story he's referring to? I do. Okay. He, yeah, yeah. He, he told it, I think, at our ag hall, and it was something about hot cheese, and, and it was spewing it all over the place. I just <laughs> forgot it. Yeah, I went to a bar in Montreal, and I, I was like, a cheese-filled hot dog. That sounds great. And I bit into it and just like squirted piping hot cheese all over all the bottles of booze. And that feels like more like a visual gag to me. <laughs> and I'm, I'm a little more dialogue heavy of the. I can see yeah. Derry fumbling with a hot dog and having that happen to him. Maybe. I can see Bugs Bunny doing yeah. it. Yeah. So, um, Dennis, uh, I don't understand this question. Maybe it's an inside joke or something. But he asks, fold or scrunch? Oh, that's about toilet paper, isn't it? Oh, maybe it is. Okay, that makes sense. See, I think if you if you scrunch toilet paper, you're a fucking psychopath. I'm sorry if I've alienated fifty percent of your listeners here, but like, I first I heard of that was a campaign in England. Okay, uh, and I think like Charlie Brooker was doing a bit about it on a Weekly Web or something. And I at that point, I had never even heard of anyone who scrunched. I was like, what are you talking about? Although I will say, if we're talking toilet paper debate, everyone always says you can't have the toilet paper. Uh, they say it has to be overhead, like it has to be going yeah. over. Those people have never had cats because if you <laughs> have it the other way, the cat will do it and it'll just flip around and around. But if you have it the the front way, the cat will just pull it out and just and there's just toilet paper all over the house. <laughs> all right, uh, <laughs> that's sure. the right response to me saying yeah, that. Yeah, that's yeah, right. that's right. Uh, let's see here, Jeff. Uh, he wants to know if uh, you'll meet him for lunch at Saint Sacrament Tavern on June sixth. But I think he's coming up to see Mark Forward in Toronto. And he's driving, he's taking the long way. He's coming up from Maine. Uh-oh. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But anyway, that's uh, his question, if you want to have beers with him. Um, Remind me closer to the date, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, there you go, Jeff. Uh, ask him when he's visiting. Oh, this is uh, from uh, Tiara. You were on the How Are You Not podcast. Yeah. I remember listening to that. So she, her, and Dean are the hosts of that. Uh, when he's visiting the West Coast so we can actually meet him in person. Uh, I, you know, <laughs> I, wonderful people. And as soon as I do get out to the West Coast, I will absolutely see them. So I have a loose plan for a sort of a drive through the Douglas Road, through to Bellingham and stuff like that. And if I can make it to Portland, I will absolutely. So I'll let her know that uh, you'll be there. Um, (laughs) Okay, Jeff, again, funniest scene you've written. I mean, you don't don't do that, right? You don't do scene by scene. You kind of, or do you? Uh, Some, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's some full episodes that are credited to you, right? Like... uh, yeah. The, the We Don't Fight at Weddings, right? Yeah. Uh, it's Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Valentine's Day is one. It's um, <laughs> great. There's a few. Uh, I do. And like some of them, like, uh, you know what? I did the wrestling cold open. Mm, okay. Yeah. 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 And uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, uh, being able to. Have, and also people like Alexa Bliss being such a fan of the show. And mm-hmm. like, like loving that she was in. That was pretty great. And uh, yeah, just like. I mean, Farty Gennetti is such a stupid joke, and I, but I love it to death. So, <laughs> and uh, can you think of one that you didn't write that that you you really wish maybe you could have? Oh God, um, yeah. I mean, every time I'm watching, I always think of uh, a bunch of them that I wish I could have. Mm. Uh, like, I wish I thought of that. It's sort of like when you hear a great song and you're like, "Oh, I wish I could have written that. I wish I would have thought of that." Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, you know what? This is frustrating because every time I watch, I'm, I think mm-hmm. that about like at least two different scenes of yeah. the show, and now I'm on the spot and I, I can't think Drawn of one. Drawn a blank. Uh, I can't. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, 
I'll have to. I'll, I'll answer you on Twitter or something. I'll yeah, to, I'll, in the middle of the night, I'll come up with it. Perfect. I'll send it to you. Yeah. Now, I mean, Shorzy isn't as jokey as Letterkenny is, right? There's more of a story going on there. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's still a lot of humor, but I mean, in terms of, like Letterkenny is more like almost a collection of sketches, and whereas Shorzy is more, you know, narrative, right? Um, yeah. How do How do you find writing on that one? You know, being. Um. Letterkenny, yeah, is it's almost entirely standalone episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, with these sort of the threads aren't so much serialized, I find, as they are kind of bit running gags. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's a there's a rubric in place, but I mean that's good and bad. Like one, you know what you're doing, you know you're going into it, you're not going in being with a blank page, and then eight hours later still have a blank page and want to blow your brains out. Like yeah. it's, yeah. um, you kind of know what you're doing and you kind of prepare for it, and you always have a few in the chamber already to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but Shorzy, but that is also can be restrictive, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas Shorzy can go in so many different directions, um, and not really the set pieces. And the set pieces are like, um, you know what? Here's a good one uh, that I wish I wrote. Like just the the O Canada scene where he cries. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> uh, the fact that Jared made Shorzy a crier is right. uh, is so funny to me. Yeah, um, and. You know, I love old cartoons, and the thing about old cartoons is that if you take the sound off of them, they're still funny. Yeah. Um, and that's my metric for that. And so that has no dialogue in it. Mm-hmm. And it sets up this one day, and it's one of the biggest laughs, I think, on the, sh- on the show. Mm-hmm. And there's absolutely zero dialogue, and it's just... It's also one that, I, I mean, I don't know about other viewers, but I... I saw it coming a mile away, and it was still yeah. hilarious. Yeah, right, because it was set up in episode one. Yeah. So when an episode fades on and you hear Old Canada playing in the background, yeah. you know when we see Shorzy, he's going to be crying because that's the payoff. It's a check check off tears. Like it's it's going to happen, right? Uh, I didn't see it coming. I, <laughs> see, I did. So maybe maybe I'm. Maybe, I still found it funny, but yeah. like, oh, I hear Old Canada. We're in a hockey ring. When we see Shorzy, he's going to be crying. I think that also knowing what's coming doesn't make anything less funny. I mean, no, Norm, Norm Macdonald made an entire career out yeah. of getting twice the laughter sure. because he would say a joke and you would know the punchline, so you'd start laughing, mm-hmm. and then you'd say it and then you'd laugh again. Like he, he would do that. One of his old jokes would be like, "Laughter is the best medicine." Unless you're diabetic, and then everyone would start laughing, and then he'd say like, "Because then uh, insulin would yeah. uh, insulin would be your best medicine," and then like laughs again, you know. So you get twice the laughter that way. Mm-hmm. So yeah. even when people see it coming, I think it still has a lot of value. So uh, let's see here. Adrian asks, "How does getting credit for an episode work?" He assumes uh, contributed jokes and lines to more episodes, but like, when do you get full like? get top credit on an episode how does that work i think it's different for every show yeah. it's different in every contract kind of thing mm-hmm. um so uh honestly i uh, i always feel like i'm washing my hands of these conversations sometimes because mm-hmm. either i don't know but it's like it's sometimes a surprise to me sure like i i don't uh um something will come out and it'll it's been a long time since i worked on it mm-hmm. because it has to go through so many things and sometimes sure. we're a couple of years ahead on writing and so it'll come out and i won't even know what my credit's going to be on it until it does come out and then i just uh get it added to my imdb honestly yeah yeah so uh i'm not entirely sure it's probably something that's production and the, the, the agents maybe work out okay but uh i'm uh, i'm i'm not it's not that i'm in the dark on it i just like i'm never sure you sure know, so Aaron says, please tell him I say hi, and then give him an awkward fist bump. Awkward. 
All right, there you go. There you go, Aaron. Uh-huh. That happened. It was very awkward. Yeah. Uh, he looked at me the whole time, like yeah. very intense eye contact. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, question. What do you find gives uh, you the most inspiration for writing? Uh, do the best ideas come when you're sober, under the influence, or certain time of day? Um, I... I think it was I think it was Jared who said this to me that Hemingway got it backwards. Okay. <laughs> and like if it might have been Jared, it might have been someone else. And so I don't um I'm not sure, but I know that someone told me around that time that it's better to write sober and then have a little maybe a maybe a little drunk at it. Maybe a little tipsy at it. Oh, okay. Because if you're a little if you're like two cocktails deep and you're giggling, like that's great. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh I think I tried that a few times. I'm not sure. Stuff comes to me. The thing is, is that some days you are feeling physically and emotionally great, Mm -hmm. and you have the whole day free and the whole place just to yourself, and you just accidentally heard your favorite song on the radio, and you think you're going to write gold, and then eight hours later you have nothing. Right. And then some days you got like a hangover. And um, you only have like two hours uh, before you have a doctor's appointment or something, and like, but you bang off twenty pages. Mm-hmm. And the key is to just know that those days. Uh, Taika Waititi has something about this where he says like some days where you do nothing for eight hours and stare at Final Draft, that's also writing. Right. Um, and I think for me, it's like you got to know that those days doesn't mean that you're out of juice because you're not out of juice. Like it's a muscle, and you work it, and you like. You know, you get better as it goes. Those days just happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes it'll be right before bed. And I'll put something into my phone that's a reminder of, uh, you know, an idea, a premise, a joke, or something like that. Um, and uh, sometimes you do sit down and you get it all, all done. You just, you gotta relax, right. you know. It's like one of those things, it's like in life, you're like... Being joyful and being depressed are both temporary. Mm-hmm. And the only way you survive them both is knowing they're both temporary. So um, I do sometimes like to put on... Uh, I do a thing that... This one I know Jared taught me. Um, putting on television, but putting it on mute. Okay. And I found that putting on something that I don't care about. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise you're just in a like a, a, a silent room. Sure. Right. And there's no information or anything coming in or out. And mm-hmm. you're just bouncing off the walls. Yeah. So I'll put on like how it's made, you know. Great show, oh, great show. Love that. Love show. how it's made. Yeah. I could watch it anytime. I did for a while watch this show called Ultimate Beastmaster because it was <laughs> this show that Sylvester Stallone made. That's kind of like American Gladiators, right? Right. And yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. It's it's sports, which I like, mm-hmm. but it has zero. It's just a bunch of parkour people from right. around the world. Yeah. And so I was, uh, but I watched it so many times while writing Letter Kenny that uh, my Netflix algorithm is. so supremely fucked up skewed to all that super it's just like do you want to watch all these things about cheerleading i don't like no definitely not (laughs) um all right well bringing up sports great great segue to the next question from our buddy robbie Uh robbie he wants to know should the chiefs retain juju sign a free agent or pursue a wide out in the draft let's see we got a wide out in the draft last year Mm -hmm. and uh we got Kadarius tony still on the rookie deal and juju wants to stay i mean of course he does and uh but it's a bad free agent class for wide receivers. And so he's going to get offered some crazy Christian Kirk money, maybe, unless he wants to win Super Bowls consistently with the greatest football player on the planet. And I, you know, it's up to him. Does he want a ring chase or does he want a bag chase? I wouldn't blame him for either. Right. 
But there's not a lot of free agent guys on the market at all. So, And I don't believe Kadarius Toney can last as wide receiver one for more than three games without getting injured. But right. we'll see. There you go, Robbie. Trevor is the real deal. Is this, I mean, love for football. Is this when you were in Kansas City? That's why I went to Kansas City. Okay, <laughs> yeah. all right. <laughs> yeah, um, that's why I went to Kansas City. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I have loved that team uh, since I was seven years. I mean, like... Why Why the Chiefs? I'm, I know growing up in Canada, we are not tied to a, a, yeah. a team, so you can pick and choose. So. Yes. And why the Chiefs? Every Canadian ha- who likes the NFL has an arbitrary reason for liking the right. team. And, um, like, I know a lot of Bengals fans, because mm-hmm. they were like, I was a kid, I saw Tiger Stripes, I don't know. That's I was it. really into yeah. Tony the Tiger. Yeah. So my whole family are 49ers fans, Mm -hmm. but when I was seven, I think, I got into football, and my brother, my older brother and I were firmly in that brother stage of don't copy me. Right. Um, So my brother took me aside and gave me the, like, don't copy me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the first game I watched had Christian Okoye, who was the Nigerian Nightmare was his nickname. Okay. And he was somehow enormous and fast, and he came over from Nigeria to play football. Right. And he had... The just the biggest smile on his face all the time, mm-hmm. and as kind of a sensitive nerdy kid who had like a fanny pack full of like pictures of cats, he cut out a cat fancy magazine on him all the time. Mm-hmm. That guy spoke to me, <laughs> so I became a fan of that team right then and there, which is great because then finally, after all the snake bitten seasons and Kansas City beating the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl, I can't tell you the satisfaction. <laughs> That's great. Yes. This has gone into weird places. Yeah, it has, and that's all right. You okay. Know, that's good. Uh, I think people might have been expecting it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. Now we must go and party with Dolo. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. 100%. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Yeah. And the song I'm playing us off with tonight is another of Trevor's bands, also on the Letterkenny soundtrack. It's called Backstage Underage by The Good News. Well, and that's all we have for this episode. Don't forget to give our sponsor, Diabolical Coffee, some love. They're at diabolicalcoffee.com. Right now, you can use the promo code PRODUSTAN for 20% off any purchase from their site. If you'd like to support this podcast, rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or become a patron. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Pod. On behalf of Trevor and myself, thank you for listening, and have a great week. Music